Hey, thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right, Matthew chapter five. Let's go after this. It says this, Jesus talking, Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and, and where I want to go today is I want to talk about us being uh, a light and living up to our name, Radiant. And I believe that's a name that the Lord put on us, called us to live out. Uh, and so I just want to kind of double click on the idea of being a light, double click on the idea of being radiant. All right. So here's Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. He says this, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So Jesus is saying right there, if there is a light, if there is a city that's got light, it's not hidden. It's not ashamed. It's not quiet. It's bright. It's light. Neither do people put a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, instead they put it on its stand. So it's purpose and it gives light to everyone in the house. So the purpose of the light is to help other people. It's to give light to other people in the house in the same way. And it gives this command, let your light shine. We've heard this since Sunday school. Let your light shine. You've got a light. Don't put it under a bowl. Let your light shine. And here's the phrase. It's that phrase before others. Intriguing because there's other places where Jesus specifically tells us not to have the motive of doing good deeds in front of others for self so that we can be glorified. And then he gives the why right here. Well, this isn't actually for self-glorification. He says, no, that they, who? Others. There's a that they. There's a reason for you to have light. It's the that they, that others, that they, others, may see your good deeds and glorify, not you, but your Father who is in heaven. Father, we love you today, and we ask, Lord Jesus, that our lights would shine bright. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, just the fact that you are so good, and I thank you for the way this church shines so bright. And I ask, Lord, that we would continue to see that get stronger and stronger, brighter and brighter as the weeks and months and years go by. I pray that you would bless every dream teamer, every small group leader, God, every single person, Lord, that is uh, serving faithfully and every person in a small group, every person online today, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I went to a, uh, a pastor's conference and uh, I just never forget sitting with Renata, probably about 20 feet away from a table where there was a pastor who was in his late 60s and around the table were uh, some of his children and some of their spouses and even some of his grandchildren sitting in a, in, in a side room and they were eating a meal together. And I was a few tables away and I just sat and watched like a hawk uh, as people came up and talked to him. And, and then he would have a conversation uh, with, with a grandchild, with, with some of his kids. And I'll just never forget seeing, uh, seeing the admiration, just watching this, the fruit, watching the the different people that his life had impacted. So because he's in his late 60s, I'm not talking about a deed. I'm not talking about one deed. I'm talking about a lifetime of deeds. I'm talking about something in, so, so inherent in who he was that you could see blessing. You could see, you could see God at work in the way that all these relationships had grown in his family. And, and then 
He had this great team of people around him and some were his age uh, and some were in their 40s and some were even younger in their 20s. And you just saw, you saw a staff of people that, that were just, just impacted by his life. So, so the fruit of God at work in his life had really impacted his family. And the fruit of God at work in his life had impacted the staff. And then they were leading this big conference. And I just remember sitting in distance and saying to myself, that's what I want. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna get all in on that. Like, I want a life that looks like that. I, 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 wanna, I wanna have such rootedness in God that the people around me, not necessarily because of one deed, but because of a lifestyle of a life in God that over the course of years, it impacts the circle of influence of people around me, including my family, and it just, it just impacts others. And I just had that ache. I want that. I desire that. I remember going uh, and visiting. I was speaking uh, probably about six or seven years ago at a church where I was the youth speaker. And so uh, I was there for a youth conference. So, so fundamentally, my role was not there for the weekend services. It was for the youth conference before the service. Uh, but I remember staying over, being a part of this church, and watching a church that seemed, to me, just so unique. Because I, I talked to the youth pastor, and he was telling me stories about how their gathering of young people had gotten so large and impacted the city that people running sporting events for some of the local schools were contacting him, asking about when their youth meeting was because it impacted, the church's meeting was impacting the school's attendance in sports. And I just thought, give me in, give me, give me some of that. I want in on that. And then I went to the prayer meeting on Saturday and there was a traffic jam. I just think it's kind of cool to have a traffic jam for a prayer meeting. You know, most of the time in churches, <laughs> the prayer meeting is where you're just begging. What's up? Come on. I promise you get some rewards in heaven. You know, like it's not necessarily the meeting with the traffic jam. But I saw this traffic jam for the prayer meeting and I just thought, wow. And we did this youth conference and normally we'd have churches that would send maybe 15 to 20 people that would serve to help pull off the youth conference. And I remember going there and they had 400 people there to serve the teenagers. And I thought, what water are they drinking down here? Right? And I had that thought, same thing. There's, there's God at work here. This is not like one deed. This is, this is God activity. And I just had that same thought, that same desire. I want in on that. I desire that. I want a church like that. I want a church where the prayer meeting is jammed and, and, and we're impacting so many young people in the city that they're contacting us. And when I hear Jesus right here, Sermon on the Mount, just before we get to, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, we get all this content called the Beatitudes. And it's all this content about this internal work, this blessing of God because of who people are. Like, what's their root system? What's going on inside of them? And really, when you take, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, blessed are those who mourn, and you just go through those, it's a description of what Jesus is like. So there's this Jesus-looking people. There's these people that have got these deep roots in God. Then that Jesus goes right from blessed, 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 
right into you're the salt, you're the light. And I hit all that because I think that sometimes when we hear you're the light of the world, it's easy for us to think checklist. It's easy for us to think I need to do my good deed. I need to pay it forward. I have a lot to do. I have to pay bills. I have to go get the oil changed. I have to go fill out the Walmart grocery list so that they can bring it to my car. What's up? That's a good part of life that's just started just now. I mean, I, I, I've got, I'm a busy person. I've got a lot to do. And oh yeah, in the midst of all that I have to do, I need to, I need to, I need to, 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 to give financially something, or I need to uh, pay it forward in the Starbucks line. And I like some of those ideas. I'm not against those, but, but, but I want to talk against the obligatory checklist task of do my good deed. I want to go deeper because I think Jesus here, when he's talking about you are the light of the world, it's deeper than a surface level checklist that you do something for God to prove to God that you're good. He's talking about this root system of you're blessed. You are so close. You're in relationship. There's this covenantal relationship with God that is not just what you do. It's who you are. And because it's who you are, it's, it's a lifetime of, of deeds. And that influences the people around you. And you become light. You become God's shine like stars in a wicked and depraved generation. You become that light. You become that radiant light to people. And so where I want us to go today is I want you to think about the how that I'm a light. I'm a light not because I'm going to prove to God and I'm going to prove to others and I'm going to prove to myself and I'm I'm going to do some good things. And that's the language. We got good deeds here from Jesus. But it's in the context of this Sermon on the Mount conversation about blessed, blessed, blessed. And I want us just to go back because this doesn't just start there. This actually comes earlier in this conversation that Yahweh has with Abraham, right? Because even as God kind of forms this family, he's talking about blessing others. So look at this. Genesis 12 says this. Says this is, this will, we'll go back. Says this to Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. So I'm going to be at work. I'm going to bless you, Abram, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So I'm going to bless you, and then on the flip side, there's something that happens inside of you to make a difference in the lives of others. You're going to be a blessing to others, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's a lot of people. All people. Did I say all people? I think I said all people. I said all people will be blessed through you. So here's a lot of blessing talk. Hey, I'm going to bless you, but the blessing is going to go through you to be a blessing to other people. You're blessed to be a blessing. There's there's a lot of this blessing kind of concept. It's not, it doesn't stop with you. Yes, it is for you. But it doesn't stop with you. So the result of the blessing is that it goes through you to make a difference in the lives of other people. And so so even when we get to Matthew 5 and we're reading the Sermon on the Mount, I like the way that Matthew, he gives us the connection of Abram, that becomes Abraham, all the way to Jesus. So sometimes in our one-year Bible reading, this is 
a part that it's easy to skim kind of quickly, the genealogy, Matthew 1. You just kind of go quickly like so-and-so begat so-and-so, so-and-so begat so-and-so. But here's the critical piece about this. This is God connecting what God said to Abraham. And this is what we're getting all the way with Jesus. And so when I read Matthew 1, verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And we can go all the way down, 13 verses later, we get to verse 15, where, or verse 16, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who is called the Messiah. And we've got this whole lineage, this whole genealogy, and it connects this grand story of, all right, the people of God, blessed by God with the purpose of being a blessing. And we read all these different people blessed by God to be a blessing in the Old Testament. We get to Jesus, Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about blessed, 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 blessed. And then he goes right into, and you're the salt and light and be this light. And it's this language of others. It's you're blessed to be a blessing. It's you're the light of the world. It's, it's that others might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven so it doesn't stop with you. So there's this hunger to experience and encounter God. There's this desire to have the conversation like Abram had. There's a desire to get close to God and in that relationship with God, the fruit of it is there's other beneficiaries because of your intimacy with God. There's other beneficiaries because of your covenant walk with God. There's a, the people around you. It just goes right through you. It's God at work in you. And so you start to see, I mean, and, I, and you know people, even in our church, you, when I start to talk this way, you've got people in your head that you can just say, oh man, I see that. I see it in their life. I, 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 I am a beneficiary of their walk with God because there's so much transformation that's happened in them. I've experienced their kindness. I've experienced their mercy. I've experienced their poor in spirit. They're humble. They're meek. And I've learned from them because I've seen it in them. And so that caused you to say, I want, I want some of what they have. And that's the dream. The dream is that we would be a church that's got that, that closeness with God that we just want. I mean, we're... We're hungry, desperate, thirsty, longing for all that the Father will give. I love that phrase in Luke 15 in the story of the prodigal son where the father says to the son, son, all that I have is yours. It's one of my favorite verses just because I just love it. It's this idea, all that I have is yours. <laughs> I just think there was so much more available to, this, to the older brother that he didn't take, but it was, it was available. It was there. This father is this unending source available to those who ask. And we have a father who wants to bless us. And he's got more than we can fathom. He's an unending source. I know many of us as parents, we think our children think that. And we're like, I, God may be an unending source. I am not. But your heavenly father is. He is infinite in what he has. He's got so much. And so... When our motive is just me, it's not complete. When our motive is I want God, and I want God to then use me to make a difference, I wanna be a light to my world, then it's, it's, more than just, it's more than just me. I got a heart for others. So I know I use my dad as an illustration nonstop, and there's no better day than today to use him as an illustration. But on Tuesday, uh, 
we were looking at some hard news from the doctors. And, um, and my dad couldn't breathe. And, uh, and it, was, it was a challenging time. And we were leaning into God strong. And, uh, and I'll just never forget FaceTiming with my dad. And that little FaceTime that you saw there, that's what I've been doing a lot of recently, living on FaceTime as he's been in the hospital. And uh, my dad said to me, hey, David, I, I haven't been able to sleep well at night. Um, and so I've got some time on my hands. And I just want to see if you could text me a list of how I could pray for you physically since you're a little sick right now. Now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you kind of go, uh, hold on, Dad. Uh, you can't breathe. You, you're not sleeping at night, and you want to ask how you can help me? Don't you think it'd be good for you to just think about yourself? And if you can't sleep, let me introduce you to this thing that the whole world is addicted to called Netflix. And there's some ways I, I could, you like the, the, the bulls in the 90s, you could get addicted to a little last dance. You could, you could live for self a little bit, Dad. But even as he's facing a night where he can't breathe and even when he can't even sleep through the night, there's this, there's this God at work inside of him to where the place that he actually finds joy is trying to give to others. It's, I'd like to pray for you through the night that I can't breathe as I lay here in the dark. I want to make a difference in your life. So it's not a checklist. It's not a box that I check to prove to God that I'm a good Christian. It's different. It's this life of relating that pushes out self because God takes up so much space and the overflow is that the end result is others. The end result is that I want to make a difference and help other people. It's not just me. And that's different than the world's way. Because the world's way says I'm at the center, but the radiant way says God is at the center. The world's way says I want my interests. I've got interests. I've got favorites. I've got hobbies. But the radiant way is I look out for the interests of others. The, the way of the world is I have my rights the radiant way is I've laid down my rights. The way of the world is I'm independent. I can do this. I can prove to the world. The radiant way is I'm God dependent. I'm, I just loved even that moment where dad said it in the video. I'm, I'm just, he said, I'm just a beggar. I just asking God and he decided to give good gifts. It's a whole different way. The world's way says I cancel you because you bug me. Radiant way says I, I love you. I love even my enemies. I pray for you. I'm going to serve you. So, so one way, the world's way says, power over you. But the light of the world, the radiant way, the way to be a light is not power over, it's power under. And Jesus gives us in the Beatitudes an internal work of how to be a person that becomes a light. So that it actually is far easier when your internal desires are transformed. So you're not gritting your teeth trying to have external good deeds to prove to God something that's not really taking place in your inner man. 
When my dad was saying that to me this week, how can I pray for you through the night when he couldn't breathe? It wasn't because he was trying to just do a good deed. It was, that's who he is. It's who he's become. And so for us, this idea of being a light as a church, it's, it's even kind of doing, we do things, but, but the doing of things is just the overflow of who we are. It's just the overflow of a life transformed. But when we live that way, when that, is, when that marks our lives, it, it's what the world goes, what's, what's with you? I mean, I felt it. Dad, come on. It drew me closer to God. That, are you serious? And I see it this way. I see being like those good deeds out of the overflow of union, communion, intimacy with God, friendship with God, covenant with Yahweh, relationship, covenant people with God, walking with him, knowing him, spending time with him, being with him. Out of the overflow of that, you've got this, this relationship that's, that's light and it's real light. And it actually causes people to go, I, I want in on that. I, I, I want what you have. I see you living differently. I think of it this way. In Kansas City, we know what it is to have a good offense, right? At noon today, we're going to celebrate an offense that will win again, right? That's just the way it is around here. Yeah, that's a good amen right there. And uh, I mean, we know what it is to be down by 10 in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl and be like, I ain't afraid. We got a good offense. We can still win, right? We've been there. Here's the deal. When the church has these deeds that are self-sacrificial, that are laying our lives down for others, that's like having a good offense. That's like, you can win. When the church doesn't look different from the world, we just look like everybody else, you're not, you're not, you're not gonna win. It's not a good offense. But man, when it's like we have got, what, I mean, real things where real people's lives are changed and we're doing real stuff and we've, because it's easy to think of I'm the light of the world, kind of like this little glow, kind of like this little, little light I got where I walk around and people look at me and go, oh, that's not what we're talking about. Now, I, it's, it's not going to be a glow. It, it, it's it's, it's, it's going to be that the choices that I make are different in, a, in the world system and it shows, it shows Jesus to a world that desperately needs us. And I'm telling you, when we get in on some of this and it plays out in your life, it's... It's, it's like having a great offense. You just, you tend to win. And I want to invite you to just ask the question, all right, what, what does it look like for me? Where, where am I at? For us as a church, we want to get really specific. And so we, there's so many good things that we could be doing. And we're trying to do the God things that God's led us to. And so one of the things that we're doing in Kansas City is we just love to help with Urban Christian Academy. And we want to try to help these kids in Kansas City hear the gospel and know Jesus from the days of their youth. We want to help plant churches across America. And, uh, you know, we've, I've told you so many times that we're a part of this church planting network that's planted over 900 churches since 2000. But I think one of the most amazing things is that we've planted 34 new churches in COVID. <laughs> like, come on, somebody. Like, I got a buddy who's planting a church with YouTube. I mean, like, going after it and and I love that. I believe that our nation desperately needs God. And I think the thing that we can do is just continue to start new life-giving churches. And there's far more churches that shut down every single year in America than start new. 
And what we need is we need life-giving churches to make a difference in our nation. And we as a church have decided we can't do everything, but we're going to do some things. We're going to be really focused and strategic on some things. And we're going to be focused on kids in Kansas City. And we're going to be focused on churches across America. We're going to be focused on taking the gospel to unreached places. So there's a place called the 1040 window. And it has to do with the equator, just 10 to 40 degrees above it. And so it's got some Northern Africa and it's got India. And there's this window, this part of the world where the least amount of people have decided to follow Jesus. And so we've just decided we're going we're gonna, to mm, target right there and help take the gospel home to home to just people that have never heard. And, and, and so that's one of the things that, that we're doing. We're focused in on young people. 90% of young people, uh, sorry, 90% of people that are following Jesus today in the United States made a decision to follow Jesus before age 18. That means focusing on young people is a strategic people group to focus on. And we're focused, we're just unashamedly focusing in on young people. And I'm just giving you those things because I want you to even think about in your own kind of life, like in your own personal journey, where, where, where you're called to, to be a light what it looks like for you. And there's something so powerful when your life isn't about me, but I'm a light to others. And I take, I take the focus off of self and I put the focus on other people. If you're living for yourself, you'll always define your life by your problems. So I'm living for me. It's always about, well, here's what I'm going through. When you're pouring your life out for others, well, you, you have something bigger than your problems to live for. So... So yeah, of course I got these things, but I got, I got, I got something bigger. The temptation is a world's way. It's always, it's a me first culture. But the Jesus way, the radiant way, what I'm calling it, light of the world, the putting others before self is, of course I got problems, but I got a purpose. And when I have a purpose, it makes my problems pale in comparison. It's, I got something to live for, something that's bigger. One of my buddies, pastors in Houston, and uh, he told this great story about how uh, at first it looked like Hurricane Harvey was going to be their darkest day. But then in his church, all these guys who had boats, like he said, you know, it's, it's Texas. So he's like, man, everybody's a fisherman down here, you know. And he said, uh, all these guys with boats during Hurricane Harvey came out of nowhere and they would get in their boat and they started just rescuing people. And all these guys suddenly just, I mean, put their boat towards rescuing people stuck at homes as they went through the hurricane. And, and suddenly, up early, I mean, stayed out late, working hard, using these boats. Instead of for fish, they were rescuing lives. And then he said, the most amazing thing happened because these men in his church that loved their fishing boats, fell in love with making a difference and purpose and rescuing people from the wreckage. And the most, the most obvious, clear, like, in-gathering of people that started get, to get connected to making an eternal difference came right after Hurricane Harvey. Because all these guys were like, I get it. I get it. I'm, I, 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 I rescued people and I rescued their physical lives. And my buddy would be like, hey, that's what we're doing every Sunday and 
every small group and everything. We're, we're just, we're rescuing people. That's what we do. And all of these great leaders, he said, all these great leaders are guys that connected with it during Hurricane Harvey. And I just think that's what happens. So what happens when it's like, oh, it's not about me. I thought I was going to go to church and just check a box, do my, do my Christian deed. Ah, it's different. It's, man, I, I'm walking in relationship. I'm blessed. And then I got, I'm so overflowing. I, I've t- there's so much available in the Father's house. I, it just spills out of me. And I actually care about a bigger thing. I, I want to use this boat to help people rescue people. And now those same <laughs> Texas fishermen are serving on teams and leading small groups. And it was this easy wake-up call to, man, I want to make an eternal difference in addition to a physical difference. I want to help people spend, spend the rest of their lives walking and knowing Jesus and then be with Jesus in eternity. I experienced it when I took, uh, in 2005, um, I took a bunch of young people to Thailand right after the tsunami had hit in the Indian Ocean. And I just never forget watching these young adults that formerly, like it was really hard to like get to do anything. Like they had grown up with lattes and, and, and just Starbucks culture. And I just remember like we try to serve and do things and it was like, I ain't getting out of bed for that, brother. I mean, you know, like, and then to watch them come alive as we took care of people that had just been devastated by the tsunami. And of course, just so many deaths and so much pain. And, it, and it's this reality that when you, when you have purpose, when you, when you start to connect with purpose, it, it's, it's this motivator that says, all these other things are, are not nearly as good as this opportunity. And my dream is, as your pastor, to help you connect with eternal purpose. So we want to help make a difference in the earth right now with physical needs unto the ultimately impacting heaven, ultimately helping people who once were broken on the side of the road, far from God, come to know Jesus. Uh, my dream is that we could, we could live so close to God, live, live in such a way that being a light flows out of us that we're blessed by God, we're with God much, that we become this blessing. And so uh, let me give you this verse, Proverbs 11. It says this, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Here's what I just want you to see in that. Whoever makes a difference, that's the way we, that's language we use here. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So let's go back to Matthew 5 and we'll close this out, which is three ideas. Because I see three things right here, three practical concepts uh, says this in the same way, let your lights shine. Three yours, your light. I just wanna ask you to just get really honest and say, what's your light right now? Like out of the overflow of this covenantal intimate friendship with God, what is the thing that you're living that's so counterculture that it's jaw dropping that people go, wow, that's all, that, 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 what is it? And, 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 and that's not a shame question, that's an opportunity question. That's a question of, hey, this is our opportunity to follow Jesus' words and be a light. But just sometimes it's easy for us as people that go to church to just kind of just wash it all as, as, as idea rather than trying to say, I want to implement it in my life. And just what's the area of my life that looks like a real light? As a church, we're trying to be strategic and focused. Kids in KC, you know, young people, 
planting churches, taking the gospel home to home in the 1040 window. And, and, if you, and you just even just kind of ask yourself, what, what, what does it look like in my life? Because Jesus uses this right here. He uses three different yours, your light, that others, that they, I want you to get the that they, that they might see your deeds. Who's your, who's your they? Who are the people that you're actually doing life with that, that could see? Because I don't think it's necessarily gonna be strangers out there. Sometimes that's a possibility. But most of the time, when it comes to actually bringing eternal change, it's the people that are actually in your current, I mean, in your swirl, in your world, in your social circle, in your circle of influence. Who are your, that, that. I found even in, in my own life, there's some people that I'm focused in on that are not followers of Jesus, that, should I say this? That this week contacted me and said, hey, I want you to know I don't pray, but I'm praying for your dad right now. Hmm, that seems like an intellectual fallacy. But that's what they said this week. Now, I know that what's going on underneath is they like me. That guy just likes me, right? And so what's going on is this, that's the undercurrent of a question. Hold on, I'm, a, I'm an agnostic, maybe an atheist, he might even say, but I'm praying. Well, that's, that's a little intellectually strange, but it's that wrestling. So I wanna invite you just to think about who are the people that you're focused in on that are your, that they, like who's your they? So let your light shine so that they might, they might see your good deeds. And then it comes around at the end with this third your, that they might praise or glorify your father. And there's your why. Jesus is really clear that we don't do good deeds for our own glorification. Jesus comes at that really strong right here, even in Matthew. But your motive is not me, but that, that they might glorify your father. So you've got your light and you've got your deeds, but it's not for you. It's not applause of people. It's because you've got to win. You've got your goal that they might know your father who's given you all this blessing and you've been blessed to bless them so that your kingdom dream about heaven being populated with your friends happens. And so I want to just encourage you that you are a light. We are living into our name. Our church is seeing God at work. And uh, I'm excited about um, who you are as a church.